Philippians 4 in your Bibles. Look at verse 4, and we're going to read down through verse number 13. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now... At the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The title of the message this evening is this. Does Philippians 4.13 mean a Christian can do anything? Does Philippians 4.13 mean a Christian can do anything? Well, that verse is used out of context by Christians a lot. And so we're going to talk about what it doesn't mean, and then we're going to talk about what it does mean in context of the passage. Let's pray this evening. Lord, thank you for a Bible that meets us right where we are in our everyday living. Lord, guide us. Help us. Help us to see and understand the truths that you have for each of us tonight. Something that we cover tonight will be a help to everyone here. And so, Lord, uh, Spirit of God, please move in our midst as only you can. Lord God, I don't want to convict anyone here. I want, Spirit of God, you need to do the convicting. And so, Lord, help me to leave the convicting to you. But, Lord, help each one here this evening to have a heart that is ready and tender and malleable. May we not be like the Israelites with a stiff neck and a hard heart. God, bring us to your presence this evening with a heart that's malleable and pliable. May we be that clay in the potter's hands, ready to be molded and made exactly how you would. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ... Which strengtheneth me. What does that verse mean? Well, let's talk about what the verse doesn't mean. As a basketball coach for many years, uh, and even a basketball player around Christian schools, right before sporting events took place, uh, the players would huddle up on the court, something like this, and they would pray before their basketball game. This is not a picture of the girls that I coached, but it could have been a picture of the girls that I coached because they wore a jersey similar to that and, and uh, huddled up like that quite often. And they would pray, and sometimes they would say, we can win tonight, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This mantra has become popular in the sports world. In fact, you can buy paraphernalia, and uh, find slogans like this online, posters to hang on your wall. I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. That's the wrong version of the Bible, by the way. Uh, but uh, you see that with the basketball. There is somebody is shooting a basketball. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, um, I had tried many, many times in my uh, early 20s to dunk a basketball. Those of you that don't know what it means to dunk a basketball, that means you get over the top of the hoop and you throw it down into the into the basket. And uh, there was a day where um, I was playing at the gym at my college and I could dunk a volleyball, but I could not get the basketball down in the basket. I was just within maybe an inch or two away. And you know what I said to myself? If I had said to myself, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, maybe that would have given me the extra inch or two I needed. No, that is not at all how that works. And uh, you see there the individual who thinks that uh, I can hit this shot if I just quote this verse. There's a famous NBA player today named Stephen Curry. And Stephen Curry was raised in a Christian home, met his wife at a Christian camp, and uh, I don't think he holds too closely to his Christian values anymore uh, but um, for years, on his shoes, he would write, if you can see that, I can do all things, dot, dot, dot. Okay? I can do all things. Uh, and he'd put this on his shoes right before he'd go out to play, as if to say, if I write Philippians 4.13 on my shoe, this is some kind of lucky charm rabbit's foot. This will help me play better. How many can see that this is not at all what Philippians 4.13 is talking about? This is not how this verse works. Uh, you don't psych, this is not a verse that's meant to psych yourself up right before you go into a, a business meeting with your boss or right before you get ready to land some big sale within your company or right before you go in for some job uh, placement review and uh, uh, work review with your boss. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's not what Philippians 4.13 is talking about. Now, um, uh, the verse does use some big words. I can do all Things, all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But what all things are we talking about here? It is always important with a verse like Philippians 4.13 that we leave it in proper context. We have to look at the context of the passage of the verse around it and understand what that verse means in context. So this evening, I want to give you eight or nine thoughts about doing all things through Christ. All things through Christ. All right, here we go. Point number one, I can rejoice. Take notes tonight. I can rejoice. Look with me back at Philippians chapter 4 and look at verse number 4. Philippians 4 and look at verse 4. Let's read it together. Here we go. Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul gives out several admonishments uh, in Philippians 4, beginning right here in verse number 4. Now, truth be told, it is impossible to do these things listed in Philippians 4 in the flesh. It is impossible to do what we're told to do in Philippians 4 while walking in the flesh. If you're walking by the flesh, you cannot do these things, but you can do them through Christ who strengthens you. All right? Um, the first one given out here is that we are to rejoice always. To rejoice always. Now, since the introduction to my sermon involved a sports theme, 
Let's think of it in sports terms. Is it hard to rejoice when your team wins? Brother Kyle, is it hard to rejoice when your team wins? Are you a Giants fan or a Jets fan? It is, uh, it is a great day when the Giants win because it doesn't happen very often, does it? Um, better, it is true. It's better than being a Jets fan, right? You guys have, win a game or two more a year than the Jets do. It is not hard to rejoice when your team wins. Um, Brother Okai, you're a Vikings fan. Is that correct? Loosely, you used to be. Not anymore. All right, you gave up on the Vikings. Okay. Um, what's that? You're not a, cra- a casual fan, right? Okay. Uh, is it hard to rejoice when your team loses? It, it, is, it is difficult to rejoice when your team loses. Listen, uh, sometimes I go home after church on a Sunday night and I turn on the Sunday night football game. And a lot of times I pour myself out so hard here at church. I, I preach so passionately Sunday morning, Sunday night, that I fall asleep by halftime. And my wife is coming in the room where, we, where, I, where I would watch the game. And she's waking me up to, to take me to bed because I'm so exhausted, even if I'm interested in the game. But can I tell you a terrible feeling is when I watch a game all the way to the end and the team I'm cheering for loses at the last second. Man, I go to bed, my adrenaline is flowing through my veins. I I was on the edge of my seat. I was cheering for my team, and they lost. And then I tossed and turned for about an hour in bed, trying to get myself to calm down. And you know what I'm not doing? I'm not rejoicing because my team lost. My team lost. I'm going to pick on my wife for a second, okay? Uh, uh, My wife does not watch sports, does not like sports. But when her country, Peru, uh, is playing soccer, uh, uh, right now the World, World Cup qualifying games are going on, she is all in. And when I say all in, I mean all in. Uh, we have a hard bedtime of 9 o'clock for our kids. 9 o'clock to go to bed every night, 9 o'clock. And uh, she said to me, she said, our kids came to me and said, Mom said we could stay up past 9. I said, what? Yeah. Well, Peru is playing Ecuador at 9 o'clock tonight, so she said we could stay up till 9.30. I said, okay, if that's what mom said, well, that's what we'll do. 9.45, man, the kids are still up. They're still watching. I said, it's time for these kids to go to bed. So we send the kids to bed, and I'm winding down, and last night I'm getting ready for bed, getting my teeth brushed, and, you know, getting, uh, get, getting, getting things ready for tomorrow. And she's got the game playing, full-blown, full speaker, in Spanish, mind you, full-blown, full speaker. And I, if you've never heard a Spanish commentator commentate a soccer game, you have never heard sports commentary. It is on a whole nother level of emotion. And if you know much about soccer, they don't score much, okay? There's not a lot of scoring that goes on. And, and so they get close. And man, you would think that, you would think that the greatest uh, thing that's ever happened just happened. And man, Peru scored a goal to tie the game against Ecuador. And uh, I, I just about had to peel Angela off the ceiling. She was so excited. So uh, yeah, she's jumping up and down and screaming and hollering. I, I wanted to take a video and show it to you tonight on the screen, but I do want to sleep in my bed tonight, so I didn't do that. Amen? Uh, but uh, listen, uh, it is easy to rejoice when your team wins. It is not so easy to rejoice when your team loses. Um, let's make this practical to our day-to-day living. Everybody with me? I know I've got a bunch of sports, uh, non-sports fans that checked out on me. Let me have you back. Everybody listen in. It is easy to rejoice when life goes your way. 
Right? It is easy to rejoice when everything goes according to plan. It is not so easy to rejoice when life kicks you in the mouth. It is not easy to rejoice when life is hard. It is not easy to rejoice when you've had a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad year. It is not easy to rejoice when you get bad medical news. It is not easy to rejoice when your relationships at home aren't working. It is not easy to rejoice when things at work are in tumult and up in the air. It is not easy to rejoice when money is tight. It is not easy to rejoice when you're sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire on 95 with cars whirling, whizzing past you. It is not easy to rejoice when someone's angry at you and yelling at you and being mean to you. Maybe when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me, maybe he wasn't talking about throwing a basketball through a hoop. Maybe he was talking about rejoicing even when life isn't fun. You see, I cannot rejoice during the hard times when I'm walking in the flesh. But I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can rejoice when Christ is in charge. Number one, I can rejoice. Number two, I can refrain. I can refrain. Look at verse number 5. Philippians chapter 4. Look down at verse number 5. Please take notes as we go along here. This is a great, great, great truth that we're covering tonight that you can tuck away and pull this one out and refer to it regularly. Look at verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The word moderation means placing a limitation in front of something so that it stays in its proper place. I can refrain. I can put limitations in front of those things I so desire so that they stay in their proper place. We do not live in an era where moderation is the norm. If you are good at moderation, that is the exception to the rule and not the rule. Why do you think there are fast food restaurants on almost every street corner in the business districts of our cities? Because people are not good at saying no. They impulse buy. They impulse buy. They impulse buy. You know what? I want a double cheeseburger. Boom, right in there. You know what? I want a soda. Boom, right in there. You know what? I want a shake. Right in there we go. We slide in. We slide in. Gas stations have their mini marts with all their uh, overpriced snacks because people impulse buy. They don't know moderation. How many Dunkin' Donuts can you get uh, within a city area? Right? And then you throw the Starbucks in, and then you throw the other coffee shops in. We got coffee shops everywhere. Everywhere. I would say that when it comes to coffee, us New Englanders, us Connecticutans, whatever, however you say that, we are not so good at moderating ourselves, are we? And this is a problem that fills out everywhere, right? Uh, uh, listen, my mom said to me the other day, or, or earlier um, uh, prior to Christmas, she said, uh, What do you want for Christmas? And I said, I, I don't want anything. And she said, give me something in the $20 price range. And I said, I can't think of anything in the $20 price range. And then she asked me a very piercing question. She said, is it because you are content and don't need much? Or is it because anytime you want something in the $20 price range, you just go out and buy it? I would say it's probably the latter. I just go out and buy it. So there isn't really a lot to be bought in that price range because... Maybe there isn't a lot of moderation being shown there. Is refraining and moderation something that defines you in your lifestyle? 
do you know how to say no to your flesh? Do you know how to say no to your emotional outbursts? Well, I'm going to give that guy a piece of my mind. Maybe no. Maybe you don't. I'm going to let them have it because someone's got his... How about let's take a half a step back and let's take a breath and let's pray on this and let's turn it over to the Lord and let's not have that emotional outburst. Well, I just speak my mind. A fool uttereth all his mind, the Bible says. Right? How about we learn moderation? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we, are all, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Um, I've gone over these principles before. I'll continue to repeat them as long as I'm the pastor here, which will be for a very long time, because I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. Amen? Uh, but here are the two principles. They are the principle of prohibition. If God says no, then the answer is no. Plain and simple. We all right tonight? If God says no, the answer is no. It does not matter what you want to do. I see people justify all kinds of things. All kinds of things. And extramarital relationships. And uh, divorce and remarriage. And, and the list goes on and on and on. Alcohol and, and, and cigarettes and marijuana and, 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 and pornography. Listen, I've heard people justify just about everything. And when God says no, the answer is no. does not matter what you want. It does not matter what you think. When God says no, we're to accept no as the answer and learn to live by the principle of prohibition. And then there's the principle of moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. God does not say no on everything that our flesh so desires. Uh, food being a great example. Okay, Everybody listening tonight? We have a food problem in this country. We have a big, big Big food problem in this country. Food was the very first, the very first sin that was ever committed was committed with food. And um, as Americans, we overeat. We're gluttons. I know this is not a popular thing for me to preach on. I've had seasons in my life where I've gone out and overeaten and, and, and been bad about it. Uh, but some people are way out of control with this. We're to set aside the sin and the weights that doth so easily beset us. We're to learn to live a life of temperance. Does everybody know what temperance means? Self-control. Are you in control of your flesh or is your flesh in control of you? You see... You see, we cannot on our own, listen up now, we cannot on our own say no to our flesh. But with Christ, I can do all things which strengtheneth me. Can you, do, can you say no to your flesh? Nope. Nope. But through Christ you can. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. 2 Corinthians 10.5 uh, says, Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Pastor, there is a sin or, uh, that has a grip on me and I just can't shake it. Uh, I can do all things 
through me, which strengtheneth me. Is that what the verse says? No. Because guess what? You cannot on your own defeat certain sins. But through the power of Christ you can. I can rejoice. I can refrain. Number three. Number three. I can request. Request. Look at verse number six. Verse number six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, uh, let's take a moment here and let's make sure we fully understand Philippians 4, 6. Before we get into the, uh, we're going to really focus in on the latter half of the verse in a moment. But let me just take a, a moment and talk about the beginning of the verse. Look, at that, look back at the beginning of the verse with me. Be careful for nothing. Now, that does not mean that we're to live a reckless, careless life. What that means, that word careful, is translated to our modern day English word anxious. Be anxious for nothing. I have noticed, and, and, and I'm just pointing out a trend. I'm not putting down anyone, and I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just pointing out a trend, okay? And be careful here. This is a touchy topic, so that's why I'm being careful here, okay? Please understand my heart is not to condemn, judge anybody when I'm about to say this. Everybody all right? Okay? We all right? The word anxious and anxiety, those words are thrown around a lot right now. They are popular, popular, popular words. I feel anxious. I am anxious. My anxiety levels are at an all-time high. We seem to be a people that is more in touch with our feelings now than we've ever been. And, and I'm just going to speak to you from my heart, okay, about what I experience. I know what anxiety is. I, I have laid in bed at night with anxiety. And found it hard to go to sleep. I've felt my heart palpitate and rush over tense situations. I know what that is. But watch this. I personally do not like to put emphasis on my anxiety. I want to put emphasis on truth. And let my anxiety figure itself out. We live in a time where we want to focus on, focus on, hyper focus on Anxiety. Anxiety has always been around and always will be around. But the Bible says that we're to be anxious for nothing. Now, uh, watch this. What do I do when I feel anxious? Do I go pop a pill? Do I go see a doctor? Now, there may be a time for that. I have found that anxiety is going to fall into one of two categories. It's either going to be physical or spiritual. Physical or spiritual. Now, here's the problem that many Christians, uh, uh, here's, the, here's the error many Christians commit. Before running to the Lord and dealing with the spiritual, we run to a doctor and address it as though it's physical. I'm not saying that anxiety is never physical, and I'm not saying that you should never go see a doctor for it. But what I am saying is that you should run to God and deal with the spiritual end of it first before you go see a doctor and deal with the physical end of it. It very well may be that if you would deal with the spiritual end of anxiety first, you would never need to see a doctor. Who is your great physician? Is it your primary care physician or is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we have more trust in doctors than we do in God? We all right this evening? 
We okay? Look at, look at uh, verse 6. Be careful, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, here's how you cope with anxiety. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto a doctor. Unto your spouse. Unto the pastor. Unto your best friend. Unto your brother or sister. Let your requests be made known unto God. God lays out a formula in Philippians 4.6 for anxiety. Many Christians don't follow the formula. Here's the formula. Look back at verse 6. When I feel anxious, I'm to take my, my anxiety and I'm going to take it to God in prayer. That means I go and I pray about it. And then I supplicate. I supplicate, meaning I pray on a deeper level and I, I, I push through this by supplicating with thanksgiving. Do you know what the counter to anxiety is? It's having a heart full of gratitude. It's having a heart full of thanksgivingness for all of the good that God has done in my life. If I ever get going in the wrong direction with my thoughts and I, I hyper-focus on something wrong in my life and, and I allow my mind to travel down paths that bring me to a point of anxiety, boy, the best way to cope with that is to get on my knees and pray through it and get on my knees and supplicate through it and get on my knees and express gratitude to God for all of the good that He's done in my life. I take that request uh, before God that's that it's driving the anxiety. I take it to God in prayer. And lo and behold, I get up off my knees. And what I find is I feel so much better. So much better. Until you have followed the formula of Philippians 4.6 for your anxiety, you have no right to go see a doctor for anxiety. And I will stand by that statement to the grave. Philippians 4, 6 is very clear. You're to be anxious for nothing. You're to take that anxiety to God in prayer with in supplication with thanksgiving and let your request be made known unto God. Can you overcome anxiety? No, you cannot in the flesh, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Are you beginning to see that Philippians 4.13 has nothing to do with what the Christian world has turned it into? It has everything to do with what Paul laid out for us in Philippians 4. I can request. I can refrain. I can rejoice. Number four. Number four. I can rely. I can rely. Look at verse number seven. Philippians chapter four. And look at verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I've used this illustration before, but I think it bears repeating in this place, in the spot in the message. I really wish that I had a helicopter that I could get in and take a ride high above the church, high above the greater Stratford area. And in the center console of that helicopter, I wish there was a, a bank of switches that were various colors. And as I flipped the different colored switches, it would highlight people walking around below me and 
show me people who were struggling with uh, different hurts. Imagine with me that in the center console of this helicopter, there is a yellow switch. And I flip that yellow switch and I can look down below and I can see all the people who are highlighted yellow who are addicted to drugs. I turn the yellow switch off and I flip up the blue switch and I see all the people who are struggling with severe marriage problems. I turn off the blue switch and I flip up the green switch and I see all the people who are walking through life and battling parenting problems. I turn off the blue switch and I flip up the red switch and I see all the people who are depressed, walking around with a heart filled with anxiety and fear. I think what we would see if we could flip those switches and see the people walking down around this area, I think what we'd see is that the large majority of people in this area would at some point be highlighted a color. What am I getting at here? People are hurting. People are hurting. Even right here in this room right now, there are people sitting in this room and you're carrying a lot of hurt. A lot of hurt. And we go through life and we try to handle it on our own. You know who we rely on to get us through life is ourselves. If you're married, maybe you lean on a spouse a little bit. Maybe you've got a family around you or friends around you and they're your support group. Why are so many people so broken? Why are so many lives so hurt? I think we all know the answer is a three-letter word. And that word is sin. Sometimes it's my sin that hurts me. Sometimes it's other sin, others' sins that hurt me. But sin causes hurt and heartbreak and pain. You know, being raised in a Christian home, I was taught at a young age, drugs are bad. Drugs are awful. Only really, really, really bad people do drugs. And uh, I was taught that because my parents wanted me to stay off of drugs. And I'm glad they did. They, they taught me in a way that discouraged me from drug use, and I've been able to keep myself off of drugs. But can I just tell you what I've learned in 38 years of living and in close to, to 18 years of, of church ministry? I've learned that people do drugs because they're hurting deep, deep, deep down inside, and those drugs just cover the hurt. Boy, they, they're carrying a load of disappointment. They have a heart that's been shattered. And that alcohol just makes them forget about their sorrows for a couple hours. Those opioids they pump in their system, they give them a fake high that makes them forget about their worries for just a little bit, gives them an escape. Boy, it would be really easy to pick up a stone and throw it at people who do drugs 
Can I tell you what the answer is? The answer is that we love on them. The answer is we not that we condemn them. You remember the, the lady caught in adultery, brought before the Lord, and they said, um, Moses' law says we should stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And he ignored them and wrote in the sand. And they pressed him a little further, and Jesus looked up from his scribbling in the sand, and what did he say? He that is without sin cast the first stone. Christians, we oftentimes, we just need to put our, our stones down, don't we? We need to love people. Meet them where they're at. What is the answer for people that are carrying hurt? They need to learn not to rely on themselves or their spouse or their friends or their support group. They need to learn to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's not natural. Because what's natural is, I got this, I can do it myself. I'll kick and push and scream and fight and battle until I get through. And no, Paul says in Philippians 4-7, The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep, guard, protect, carry you through, uh, carry your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I can rely. I can't rely. I can't rely on God through my flesh because my flesh wants to rely on my flesh. But I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Number five, quickly notice I can resolve. I can resolve. I tell you what, we're going to pick up there. Number five, I can resolve. And we're going to look at the last handful of these, five, six, seven, eight, and nine next week. We're going to finish this idea of I can do all things through Christ, and I, I've got some really good things to share with you out of Philippians 4 8. And I could go till 9 9 30 tonight, but um, we've got to go home and go to bed. We've got work tomorrow, amen? Uh, or let's stand together tonight. And I hope that the Bible study has been a help to you. I hope that you'll look at Philippians 4 13 in a whole nother light. I can do all things, I can rejoice, I can refrain, I can rely. And uh, those are those are good places to start, and uh, let's, uh, let's, work on, um, let's work on honoring God with our lifestyles as we go forward here. All right?